This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm like falling more in love with you. This is weird. <laughs> Stop. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Hulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season six, episode 17 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, I'm Okay, You're Okay. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Normal Again. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on both of these episodes, Brian. I really don't give a shit what you think about these episodes. Oh, that's how we're going to start, huh? <laughs> We've never done one where we're just like straight up fighting. I don't want to do a fight on the podcast. Well, maybe it'll be this one, guys. That was a joke, guys. I love my girlfriend and we've never fought one time. <laughs> it's always multiple fights. Yeah, we never just fight once. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's a whole can of worms. So the whole thing. Um. Well, it's been a while since we recorded an episode. And it's so early right now. Oh my God, guys. It's 10.30 in the morning. Do you know what that's wow. like for someone that works at night? It's insane. We've been staying up late watching Lock and Key. Yeah. And it was the holidays and we had like vacation time with our family. I think our like sleep schedule got even more messed up. We just like kept going to bed later and later. Yeah. And then we were in Wisconsin and later was earlier. It's so confusing. Yeah. And when you were just in Wisconsin by yourself and I was here, I binged all of White Lotus. So I had to stay up like super late to do that. Um, so if you want to talk about White Lotus, slide into our DMs, because I read them. Brian doesn't. Brian also won't watch it, so even if he did read them, it'd be fine. Yeah. So slide on in to those DMs. So we each spent a week in Wisconsin separately. Yeah. We met up in the middle of that a little bit, and then I came back to New York. Brian stayed in Wisconsin. Stacy went in early for her sister's baby shower. I didn't need any of that, so mm-hmm. I came later. He's all showered up. Showered up. I feel like you met somebody kind of interesting at the airport. I did. On my way to Wisconsin, I met a backstreet boy. Yeah. His name was AJ. (laughs) 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 Which I I knew. I didn't ask his name. I know all their names. Probably used to know their birthdays, but not anymore. Um, Yeah, he was just like getting some food and he was speaking to someone that he was with. So I was recognized his voice and... I was like 85% sure it was him. So I went and sat down at my gate. I was like texting my sister. She's like, you got to go up to him. I wanted to be sure it was him. But then someone was leaving and he was like, bye, bye, bye. Brian, you're so confused. That is in sync. That's in sync? Yes. Well, then you would have known it wasn't him. (laughs) (laughs) I clocked that he had like some specific neck tattoos when I walked by. So I looked up pictures of him and... I actually looked up where they were going next, which was Boston the next day, and that's where he was flying to. So I was like, okay, it's him. So I just went up and asked if I could take a picture with him, and he, he said yes. Stacy did some real deductive creeping on this guy. Mm-hmm. I realized when I took the picture with him, you know how when you're on an iPhone, you can see the little preview of like the last image you took in the corner? Sure. That would have been a screenshot of him that I sent to my sister to be like, oh, this is what his tattoos look like. So it's so small. I don't know if he would have been able to tell. It was just like a random freeze frame from his TikTok. I hope he didn't see that or I seem insane. I mean, he meets how many like obsessed women in his life? I know. I was trying to be so cool because I didn't want to like start a mob on him. It was pretty early. There was like no one at the airport, weirdly. And it didn't seem like there were a lot of 
women in their 30s around. But I, I don't know. I just didn't want to, like, make him take a photo with a bunch of people. Well, that's nice that you get to meet a Backstreet Boy. Yeah. I'm going to try to collect all five. <laughs> but otherwise, we had a nice time. It was nice to, like, spend some time apart. But it was really nice to come back together. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. We're so fond right now. Oh, my God. We are fonding constantly right now. I'd fond right now, but we're in separate rooms. We have stuff to do, babe. I don't want to fight about this. <laughs> I think I have some thoughts about Vineyard Valentine. Yeah. Which is a couple episodes ago at this point. But Yeah. I got a lot of comments about how out of character Rory seems in that episode. Like, she's suddenly cooking and going to the gym. And I hear that. I would argue that Rory only does these things when she goes to this place with Logan. And I think that makes sense. Like, I imagine they went there sometime and Honor was like, oh, the boys are making lobster. Let's make the salad and the bruschetta and the mashed potatoes. Like, she's not cooking anything amazing. She's throwing right. a salad together and mashing some potatoes. And it's it's like play acting a little bit. Yes, I think she's just like, this is what we make when we go to this place. I learned the last time I came. These are like specific Rory Martha's Vineyard things. Right. What I will say is they act like she's been there, I will say, at least three times previous to this because she like really knows the lay of the land and speaks as if they've been here a bunch. I agree it doesn't make a lot of sense that that's happened. Like, when is she going here this many times? Right. Logan is always pitching, just like quick jumping out of the city and going to do something. Like, he's pitched going to New York a bunch, so it's possible he pitches that like every weekend and sometimes she does oblige and we don't see it. But generally her answer is like, I can never leave ever. I'm so busy all the time. So it, I just yeah. kind of don't buy that the time they've been together will have allowed her to go there that many times. Right. But since they're saying she's been there a bunch, I kind of buy that she can, that she's learned to make a salad and right. she's kind of excited to show her mom, like, oh, look at these silly things I do here. Because also, like, mom, I think you're going to say what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Her mom's calling her out on it. Yeah. Like, this is absurd. This is not something you normally do. Right. Same with the gym. Her mom's like, what? Because people grow up. You meet new people who teach you new things. Rory grew up in this fantastical bubble of Stars Hollow with her mom being a huge influence on her. Maybe kind of a bad one in some ways. Mm-hmm. But Rory is nearly done with college. She spent months apart from her mother. It's not crazy to think she would have tried some new things like cooking a little bit. Kids naturally break away from how they were raised when they get to be her age. And I think this is an example of Rory doing that. Yeah. Like my mom cooked growing up. But when I started to work in restaurants, I was exposed to a lot of new foods. Mm -hmm. My mom's a very Midwestern meat and potatoes hot dish cook. Yes, she is. Her food is good. Her ingredient repertoire is not big. So just because Rory grew up in a home where nobody cooked doesn't mean she wouldn't want to try doing it herself. In fact, that might make her want to try it more, you know? She's rebelling. Mm -hmm. She's also been exposed to good food her whole life at Emily's house and watching Suki. Suki, yeah. And now she's being accepted into, like, a new circle of people. So she's learned how to cook a little, and now she's kind of, like, proud to show off this little skill to her mom. Mm -hmm. I love blowing my mom's mind by cooking for them. <laughs> kale in a soup? What is kale? How will this end? No, but like... I it seems weird since your mom is apparently Julia Child. That <laughs> she doesn't know how to cook. Kale? <laughs> so yeah, I get that it seems like it's a little out of character on the surface, but when you really think about it, I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. Rory's also cooked an entire meal to impress a boy before. It's true. Remember Dean? Yeah, yeah. That's her go-to now, to impress a boy. Yeah. So that's what I'll say about that. I do, however, think I'm going to be changing my vote to Whoa. the Buffy episode. To the Buffy episode? 
Yeah, the the Riley episode. You're going to choose Riley over Luke? Yeah, and here's why. I think it's just, I don't know, I didn't have like a strong opinion. I think they're both kind of meh. I think that Buffy's very flawed. It doesn't make any sense that Riley wouldn't tell Buffy she shouldn't kill the monster. There's some crazy timeline stuff happening. I don't know. The whole Sam thing just felt kind of corny. But I think like overall, it's just more of like a fun adventure episode. And as far as like moving the story forward, it does more. Like with Buffy finally telling Spike it's over and like Riley and Buffy getting closure and like what Riley did for Buffy's character. I think there's just a little more happening there. So we've never done this before, but we can do whatever we want. I'm changing my vote. I want to say real quick, everybody, I stand by what I said that Gilmore should win. I think this Buffy is not good. I think it looks cheap and fake. And I think it's celebrating Riley when there's nothing to celebrate for this guy. Like he's done bad stuff to Buffy. Not that Buffy was perfect, but then he doesn't tell Buffy about his wife and they act like that's no big deal. Like, I I don't understand. Like we're like celebrating Buffy's maybe relationship or possible relationship with Right, I don't like that because I, I, it ended weird and badly, and his character is badly written. And now we're like, no, no, remember, guys, he was cool. No, he wasn't. But I, I think the part where he's like, I was in a bad spot, and you're in a bad spot. We're not always going to be in bad spots. It was kind of nice. I agree with you on that. That was like one nice little part. It's also like a, you said it was like a fun ex- adventure, but it was like a sad adventure. <laughs> it felt like a dream. Like I told you, for like half the episode, I'm like, is this Buffy's just imagining this? But, I mean, Vineyard Valentine's kind of the same, that it's just, like, totally different than most episodes. Sure, that's true. Again, I don't think either of these are great episodes, but I, I guess if I had to choose if which one I was going to watch, I might go with the Buffy one. But I don't think it's good. I think it just, even though you, I think, did have an excellent justification for why Luke was acting the way he did, the first half of that episode's not, like, fun to watch. Okay. Should we get into... Uh, f- uh this episode. Oh, this episode? <laughs> First, we're going to talk about Gilmore Girls. So okay. We'll get there. Oh, my God. And also, uh, just we're going to do some five-star reviews first. Good. We've got three five-star reviews from Canada. Thank you so much to Webberm7. Thank you. Thank you to Geeky Girl Goes. Thank you, Geeky Girl Goes. And thank you to Deebles111. Now, I feel like I've thanked Deebles before. I can't remember. That name just sounds familiar to me. But you can update your reviews on Apple Podcasts. And Diebel's review said that they're all caught up now and they're bummed that they have to wait week to week. So it's possible that they had left a review before and now have updated it now that they caught up. So if we've already thanked you, Diebel's, thank you again for catching up. Thank you. Okay. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about I'm okay, you're okay. So this episode is about Zach and Lane moving forward with their relationship. And it's also about um, Rory visiting home because she's fine. She's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Nothing is wrong, guys. So this episode picks up just a few minutes after the last one ended with Rory and Paris talking about how men suck and making up from their last fight over Rory replacing her as editor of the paper. Paris apologizes and admits that she's not really good with people at all. Then Logan shows up and Rory doesn't want to talk to him, obviously. So Paris gives him like a big piece of her mind at the door. It's pretty fun. But Logan refuses to leave without talking to Rory and kind of just like walks into their apartment. Then Doyle shows up. He's still in Rory's coat from the last episode. <laughs> His first line is great, by the way. Not necessarily funny, but great. He says like, what is this door doing unlocked? I think that's kind of nice because it's showing us that Doyle's first thing is that he's worried about 
Paris because yeah. the door's unlocked in exactly. this like super dangerous neighborhood, which Paris is also obsessed with. So I thought that was like a sort of a, a fun way to let us know that he's on the same page as Paris as far as that door, but also like he's concerned about her being in peril. So I like that. Yeah. Doyle wants to talk and make up too. He says, we're supposed to be together. You know it. I know it. Your life coach knows it. That's very funny because then Paris is like, well, Terrence has been wrong before. Remember when I got that page boy here? <laughs> <laughs> I love that Terrence is still, even though we're not seeing him, he's still part of the show. Logan takes Rory into the hallway and vomits out all kinds of excuses. He insists that he believed that they were broken up. So in his mind, he wasn't cheating, right? So it's fine. He begs her to forget the whole day happened and just go home with him. He tells her she should make a pro-con list because he legit thinks he'll win that pro-con list. Rory thinks about this for about eight seconds and then decides that she's going to go home with Logan and everything's fine. Doesn't really seem like things are totally fixed, though. She's sort of just shuffling along home with him. Yeah, but she's just like, hmm, okay, well, yeah, all right, let's go home. We're together again. <laughs> just like, are you, you just moved out. Again, I believe that he thinks that they were broken up. So here's here. I, I want to agree with you. And I do agree with you. But for me, this scene, it comes off very disingenuous. Just the way he says it. Like, now, if you believe that I thought we were broken up, could you possibly see and also believe? It just seems like not genuine. Um, I don't know that I would say it's disingenuous. I feel like it seems like he rehearsed this in the car a ton. Maybe. Like, he's like, no, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to prove my fucking point. I've got all the case laid out, you know? Sure. Okay. It does feel like he's telling her this is the truth and she must believe it because he's thought it out so well. I'll say that. Yeah. And while I do think he does believe what he did wasn't wrong, I think he still should be like a bit more humble and be like, yeah, I should have checked with you if we were broken up. Or also be like, listen, I understand why you're upset. I yeah. get that. Like, I get it. You're upset. If I had thought we were going to be together, I would never have done this. And I, I validate your opinions of feeling wronged. Exactly. I, I definitely think he, at the time, probably didn't think he was cheating on Rory. But in hindsight, he should sympathize with her a bit more, I think. I, it's hard for me. You've seen the whole show. But like just watching it the first time, it's not 100% clear to me that he didn't think he was cheating on her. I do think that you're right, especially since you're saying this. So I don't think we're going to find out that he's like going to cheat on her again. Maybe he will. But it, Logan has been manipulative in the past. So I could see this just being like, well, this is what I got to say to get Rory back. I see why you think that because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I don't know why he would try to get her back so hard. I think that's the clue. Well, maybe he wants to be with her still. Yeah. Just because you cheat on someone doesn't mean you want to leave them. But anyway, I, I agree with you. I think he didn't think he was cheating on her. But I also think he could be better about being like, but I get why you're upset. It totally makes sense. And I'm sorry that I hurt you. There's some funny time stuff in this scene. When he shows up, he tells them he needs five minutes to talk to Rory. Yeah. Then when he pushes past Paris, he goes up to Rory. He's like, I need 60 seconds. And then when they go out in the hall, Rory's like, you have two minutes. It's a lot of weird time. Why are you giving here? him more time? He already narrowed it down to a minute. 60 seconds isn't enough time to make that case you came up with in the limo. I know you're going to need at least two. I'm going to need all of one second to agree with you and go home. <laughs> There's also a pretty funny ending to this scene. Rory goes to tell Paris that she's going back to Logan's house, and she walks in on something dirty going on in there. She, like, shuts the door, and she's like, oh, they got together again. Either that or Krav Maga is way kinkier than I thought. <laughs> That's funny. 
I'm glad Paris and Doyle made up. I like them as a couple together. Yeah. I will say, it's a funny intro, but everyone just made up like that. Like all the drama from the last episode, the breakups, the moving outs, the heartbreak, that just all swept away in the first few minutes of this episode. Okay. Well, I would argue Rory's is not all better. You're absolutely right, but it just seemed sort of like cheap to like put us in such a place in the last episode. And then this, the first, depending on whose time calls you're believing, the first minute or five minutes of this episode, <laughs> we're like, no, that's all. No, none of that really mattered. And also Paris and Doyle's problem. Like, was it worth breaking up over? Agreed. And you are right. They, they go somewhere with this. But like the first time I'm watching this, I was like, oh, okay, we're all right. All the drama meant nothing. Uh, however... As they are leaving to go to his house, Logan asks if they're okay, and Rory says, yeah. But I'm like, I don't know, girl. It seems like this is one of those things where a woman says, yeah, I'm fine. And you're like, are you fine, though? You're not fine. She's just, like, hungover, and Logan's place is a lot nicer, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> also, Paris and Doyle are, like, going at it on the living room floor. They've got Krav Maga training. It might be up against a wall. <laughs> one could be held against the ceiling. Who knows? Doyle does not weigh much. So the next day, Lorelai is showering at Luke's, and she needs him to deal with a family of spiders. Yeah, it sounded like Luke was even a little afraid. Yeah, she wants him to take them outside and place them somewhere nice, ideally next to a talking pig. I thought that was a fun show. That's what reference. Yeah. There's some weird stuff here, too. So April calls while she's in the shower, and her math team is heading to Philadelphia for a math competition, and she needs a chaperone, and she's calling to ask if Luke can do it. And this is sort of a big step for Luke because he's usually the one calling April to arrange things, and this is the first time she's called him to arrange for something. Lorelai tells Luke that he should definitely chaperone. Like, they don't have plans, and he should do it. It's a big step. He's like, all right. But then he says that he looked up the route to this the previous night, which is weird since April just called him about this. Well, maybe he knew she was going, but didn't think he was going. Why would you look up the route? I don't know. He just learned the internet. He's... I don't know. Seems like something a dad would do. Yeah, but like for him to use the internet, he's got to get Kirk to like lead him out to a parking lot somewhere in the co- like. Sure, okay. It seemed it seemed very weird. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to justify how it could make sense. Guys, we we're gonna come back to the storyline, but we got to talk about the B storyline, which is most of this episode, probably the biggest stuff that happens. Lane and Zach are back together again. Zach proposed in the last episode and made everything better. So Lane and Brian are moving back into the apartment. But Lane thinks that when they get married, they're going to have to move out. They're going to have to get their own place, which I think they should do because they're fucking sleeping in bunk beds here. It's weird. It's weird because Zach makes a comment in front of Brian about how once they're married, they finally get to have sex. Right. But she had said that he was lying to the guys about them having sex. Like she was like proud of the fact that she was letting him lie. Yeah. I I guess maybe because it's in front of her and like she expected him to make say in private. But maybe she also is like, Zach, maybe she's like, no, Zach, the story is we're banging now. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe Brian doesn't count as one of the guys he's lying to. Right. Well, he, who else is in the band? Just Gil and for a short period of time, that neckbeard dude. I can't remember if she said, like, specifically the band guys or just, like, whoever else he hangs out with. Yeah. Zach starts the scene by saying, just soundproof the bedroom, which I guess is because they're going to practice in there or something. But I thought for a second, it was like, oh, so you can have sex. Lane must be still living with her mom, I guess. She didn't move back in because her room is like the band room now. Yeah, I thought I thought she was moving back in, though. I think Brian is moving back in in the beginning. Yeah, you're right that he is. But later she goes to her house and she comes from upstairs. Yeah, you're right. It's confusing what's happening. But Lane also tells Zach, like, have you talked to my mom yet? Because apparently he has to ask her for Lane's hand in marriage. 
You know, she does have a dad, we're led to believe. Yeah, I, I guess. So Zach heads over to Mrs. Kim's and tells her that he wants to marry Lane. He shows up in a very nice suit, very different kind of attire for Zach, with a letter of recommendation from his co-worker and a bank statement trying to prove to Mrs. Kim that he can support Lane and provide for her so he should be able to marry her. I love when he says, I love her. She's smart and hot, but then like tries to backpedal on that. No, he's like, but like beautiful. Mrs. Kim doesn't uh, seem at all shocked by this. But Mrs. Kim is like, yeah, I know that your dream is to actually be a musician, so I don't care about any of this other work stuff. You need to prove to me that you can provide for her as a musician. thought that was kind of interesting. So she's like, go get a demo tape so I can evaluate it. It's a lot of pressure to be like, let me see if you're good at your dream. And if you are, you can marry my daughter. Yeah. Mrs. Kim also tells him not to mention any of this marriage stuff to Lane, you know, so Lane doesn't get her hopes up in case none of this works out with Mrs. Kim. It's funny. So Miss Kim listens to this demo a few times, then tells Zach that although some of it was good and Lane is fantastic in it, none of it is catchy or a hit. And if he wants to marry Lane, he's going to have to write a hit. And then Mrs. Kim gets all Yoda and Zach and tells them that not to try to write a hit, but to do it. So he tries. And so the whole episode, he's like trying to write this. We see him in the background in a gazebo in another scene, like trying to write this. He's struggling hard to write a hit song. Finally, he brings a song back, and Mrs. Kim is still not satisfied. She's like, yeah, you almost got one, but it's not yet. So Zach is ready to throw in the towel, which is kind of Zach's whole MO, ready to just give up at a drop of a hat. And he reluctantly and eye-rollily, that's what I just said, eye-rollily, mm-hmm. humors her and like plays the chords she's asking him to end the song with. But wouldn't you know it, he ends up finding out that he does like her suggestion, and it does work for the end of this song. And now his song's real good, and maybe he's going to be a hit. Just by changing the last chord. Yeah, one chord. It's like, yep, it's a hit now. He goes from annoyed to excited, saying that he and Brian try writing together, but Brian just doesn't push him hard enough to write hit songs. But Mrs. Kim did, and now he's, like, pumped to bring her more songs. (laughs) Apparently, she's going to be his writing partner now. It's pretty funny that change because he's all like whatever to like hey maybe like we could practice tomorrow (laughs) mrs kim is like all business she's like cool you can write a hit song you can marry my daughter now let's do it let's get out of the way she just like walks to the stairwell and calls for lane from her bedroom she's like lane get down here she's like zach's got something to tell you lane first she's like i wrote this hit song she's like no the other thing mrs kim also grabs like a little pillowy stool is this (laughs) stool designed for proposals i think so yeah it's an antique proposal stool yeah, it's like interesting. Like you use it one time in a life, theoretically. So, how many times has Lorelai been proposed to? That's true. She should have one of these. Uh, so yeah, he gets down on one knee, proposes to Lane, but Mrs. Kim stops him and gives them a different ring. She's got one that belonged to her grandmother, and she wants to give it to Lane, which is super sweet and nice. She then points at the gaudy piece of shit ring that Zach initially bought Lane that he got out of like a gumball machine, and says, "That one you keep in a drawer so it doesn't scare the children." This ring, uh, there's a couple of times in this episode where we see it and people are like, yeah, that's a that's an interesting ring. Yeah, like Lorelai says, did you win the Super Bowl? Yeah. And Rory says, did you become a Shriner? Which leads me to believe that it, because they, they said it used to belong to an elk. So I do think it is like a men's club ring. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing where men get rings for joining clubs like that, but that's what I must believe. It's not something we talk about. <laughs> Then Mrs. Kim happily says, you are now officially engaged. There is so much for you to discuss, so I will leave you two alone. Yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> Mrs. Kim has the best lines in the show. It's just funny. She's like happy and sweet. Like, you have 15 minutes to plan your future. 
So that storyline is wrapped up. It's nice, I guess. I'm not a big Zach fan, but whatever. We're supposed to like him now. He's learned his lesson, and he's a good guy. He's got a scar in his eye. He's fine. Does he? No, that was a reference to Riley. So while this was fun, and Mrs. Kim had a lot of good lines, I think it's weird that she's like so invested in this music thing now. I mean, I guess she's just accepted that that's who Lane is and what she wants, so it's kind of nice. But like, what makes her an expert on hit songs? Well, she used to be in, like, a band. She played tambourine with, like, 17 other women. You know? It's not the same kind of thing. And that was, like, church-specific. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you because I, I, I hear what you're saying. But in my head, that doesn't mean that she wouldn't, during that time, like, grow to understand music, even if she's not a hit performer. I agree, but does she know what works for the radio? Well, uh, she seems to. And I would not put it past Miss Kim. To have learned all this stuff when she figured out that this is what Lane wants to do. Yeah. It, the it just same seems way like Luke used the internet, she probably did too. That's fair. We just, it, we don't see any of this progress really. Right. But I don't like hate it. It just seems a little out of nowhere that she's suddenly like so invested in. I don't know. The last season ended with her like planning a whole uh, huge tour for them. And it would not be surprising to me that she did more research about just music in general. Yeah. The show definitely turns her character around as far as her opinion on Lane's music. I just don't know that she would be better at writing a song than, like, Gil would be. Sure, I hear that. But Gil was not going to push Zach the way that Mrs. Kim will. No, Brian wouldn't. Nobody checked with Gil. No, Gil's not going to do that. And when you're that deep in his douchebag... Don't finish bag, that sentence. What is it? <laughs> what are you going to say in his wife's... <laughs> what? No. He said that you're you know, you're in my bummer bag. I forget what it was. It was in the last bogus episode. bag. You're, you're deep in my bogus bag. I thought you were gonna say he's not as deep in his wife because he's always like talking about having sex with his wife. Listen, I can't help you write a song right now, Zach. I'm deep in my wife. <laughs> I don't know what voice it did. That's not Gil's voice at all. Uh, but well, that's what he sounds like when he's deep when he's wife. banging his wife, which is often. He's not shy about that. Okay. Also in this episode, Lorelai is at Luke's diner where he's sewing up the collection of mended rags that he calls a duffel bag. <laughs> and she tells him that she should take him shopping and they should get a new one. But he keeps insisting he's fine with the one he has. There's no problems with it as he pokes himself repeatedly with the sewing needle. He's using this duffel bag for his Philadelphia trip. Yes. Then Rory shows up unexpectedly to Luke's diner, where Lane announces her engagement to Zach. And then she and Rory are like bouncing up and down outside excitedly. It's funny because neither Rory or Lorelai immediately can understand she's engaged when she shows them that gaudy ring. They're mm -hmm. like, what's this, huh? And when Rory's outside jumping up and down with excitement, Lorelai's like, I guess she's in town to learn to bounce, bouncing lessons. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Rory says she's in town just for a star's hollow fix. It's all weird. I feel like her mom would be like, okay, but really, why are you here? What? I think she puts it together. She does. Well, not puts it together, but she's suspicious of Rory's intentions. Yeah. Rory also tells Lorelai that, like, hey, we f I fixed stuff with Logan. I'm back there. Everything's fine. And Lorelai's like, okay. But, like, maybe with a little hint of, like, I don't know about that. Also in this scene, Lorelai's giving Luke shit for not telling him that Lane was engaged. They're yeah. just, like, all kind of talking about Lane and Rory and all this stuff. And this guy all of a sudden is like, can I get some more coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The four of them are just having a conversation and no one's paying attention to the customers. Yeah, at all. That was relatable to me as a server. 
So Rory's in town for a couple of days. She's working on editing the school paper from the Dragonfly Inn. While Michelle is getting super annoyed at Rory for using his post-it notes, he calls her Little Lorelai, which is very funny. Yeah. This scene is funny. He's, like, upset because he's going to have fewer of the, like, pink post-it notes. And he's got a post-it note system. It seems kind of nonsense, but that's sort of Michelle's deal. He gets upset about nothing. Yeah, because, like, green is for when they check in and pink is for when they check out. But, like, do you always need a post-it every time someone check? What is the post-it for? But it's also, like, it gives the illusion that more people are checking in than out. I'm like, but, like, are you comparing them? Is that how you do inventory for how many people are in the place is by how many post-it notes you have? Maybe it's annoying when you have to order more because you're out of one color faster. I don't know. I see. But, I mean, it's – I believe that Michelle would decide to be upset about this, though. That's sort of who he is. Yes. And Lorelai seems to be aware of his system. Yeah. When Lorelai comes in and they tell her all this, she, like, slaps Rory's hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Rory's like, it was actually the other one. So she slaps her other hand. Then Emily calls from her car. She and Richard are headed to an estate sale near Stars Hollow. They are also having a bunch of technology issues with their GPS, which is all fun. They've set it to German, and they have to stop the car to reset it. Do they think they have to stop the car to use it? Maybe they just meant to reset it. Well, I think this is just because they're done with technology. Also, they paid, like, a ton of money for this GPS. What did they say, like $4,000 or something? Yeah, I'm like, what? Maybe that was normal then. That seems insane to me. I would say $300 is, like, peak GPS time. Maybe 500 I think the iPhone came out in, like, 2007. This is 2006. There must have been, like, some phone GPS stuff at that time. It's Maybe possible not. there's some super fancy GPS that did cost $4,000. Yeah. Richard's upset because they have to stop to use it. He's like, I thought the whole point was that we don't have to stop for directions. But it's like, no, I think, Emily, I just think you don't understand technology. So you could fix it while you're driving, but you don't know how. So Richard needs to pull over to fix it. Otherwise, he's going to hit somebody. Because you know Richard, he hits people with his car. <laughs> he will if he needs to. My parents got a Roomba. And oh, yeah. You have to, like, control it with an app, I guess. They just set it up yesterday. My brother said they were having a hard time understanding the phone technology with how to guide their Roomba. I believe that. So we'll see how that goes. Thinking that they're too far away and they won't accept, Lorelai, like, sort of throws out, like, an empty invite to her house. She's like, oh, you guys should have stopped by. It's too bad. Rory's here. And so, of course, Emily, like, accepts this offer. She's like, oh, it's no big deal. We'll be kind of nearby. We're going to stop by at four. Just invites herself. So then Lorelai and Rory are, like, Emily-proofing the house quickly, like, hiding anything that would be embarrassing, putting stuff in the tub. Like, Lorelai turns the heat down so that Emily will feel uncomfortable and leave after they eat. Yeah. Suki's brought over a bunch of food for her, but she didn't realize it was for her parents, so she's got, like, a bunch of, like, junk food and mac and cheese and stuff. None of it's fancy, but they're like, okay, we'll just call it tapas, and we'll just pretend it's fancy. Emily and Richard show up, but they don't announce that they're there. They sort of just show up, park, and then sort of just walk around Lorelai's property examining things to criticize? They go out and see that their car's there, and Rory touches it and says the engine's cold. How long does it take for an engine to get cold? Like, how long have they been walking around? Yeah, I don't know. I would imagine at least 10 minutes. Yeah, they go outside and they find Emily, like, just, like, walking out of from, like, I don't know, her neighbor's house. She just starts, like, insulting everything, you know, in the way that Emily does, where she's like, huh, so you had a paint job and this is the final color? Must be nice to not have to worry about a homeowner's association. God, that's so mean, Emily. Why are you like that all the time? I don't know, man. Then Richard just comes out of snooping in the garage. He's like, there's a boat in here. <laughs> but the way he's just coming out of a garage, like, where the fuck were you? What are you doing? It is weird that they just start walking around without letting them know that they're there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like if the boat were like halfway out of the garage, I could see being like, what is that or something? But yeah, like, like if they got distracted, but he had no reason to go into the garage. Yeah, just want that's so I would be upset with my parents if they just start snooping around my stuff. Well, Lorelai figured they would, which is why she started hiding everything. Yeah, she's right. Emily criticizes a bunch of the remodeling and then just like disappears upstairs. It's actually super funny. They're trying to get them all corralled into the kitchen, and Rory turns around to ask Emily a question to see that she's just gone, and then we hear that she's upstairs in the bedroom and starts calling Richard to come upstairs to see something. Where Rory's piled all of the stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Paul Inca shows up, and Emily's just like, what's this? (laughs) And Lorelai says they got him yesterday. Yeah, I don't know why they're lying about it. I guess she kept it, quote unquote, from her mom or something. I don't know. But like he knows where the treats are, (laughs) being such a well-behaved boy. Also, yeah, they're corralling them into the kitchen to eat. And Emily's like, we're still eating in the kitchen. But, like, do you see a dining room, Emily? Where else would you eat? Well, maybe she assumed a a dining room was added. Yeah, maybe. They didn't really add square footage to this house. They just, like, built out the bedroom a little. Yeah. It's also just, like, Emily, she's going to say one nice thing in this entire episode. But, like, she's just so much. You, like, just made up with your daughter, I feel like. And, like, you're already like, ah, here's everything I hate about your life. It's, oh, God, it's hard to like Emily, man. She also, like, comes in and, like, criticizes a bunch of the work that Luke did, which I was like, I thought we were led to believe Luke was good at these things, so. Well, I mean, wasn't it mostly Tom? I guess, but Tom is supposedly good at these things. Right. I mean, Lorelai sort of pushes back on that. Let's just assume the things that she's upset about were done by TJ. Yes. I'm guessing she just doesn't like the style, or, like, they probably could have put more money in it, you know, to use, like, better woods. I'm sure the craftsmanship is fine. It's just like the materials that she's criticizing. That's funny that you said that just because TJ is a craftsman. He's a craftsman. Emily and Richard love Sugi's food, not realizing it's just like mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is this similar to? And they're like, oh, that fancy Italian place. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Rory gets a phone call that she doesn't answer, even though Lorelai's like, you can take it in the other room. She's like, no, it's okay. And she just hangs up her phone. Weird. More on that later. Emily starts guilt-tripping Lorelai about not having invited her over to see all the improvements and renovations to the house. Emily, can you just, like, chill for a second? Can you be in an episode for, like, two minutes without, like, insulting somebody? Then we have a great scene. The doorbell rings, and Lorelai goes to answer it to find Luke there. She just whispers, my parents are here. And Luke immediately just turns 180 in place and walks the other way. <laughs> this was all one take. I rewatched yeah. it. From Luke's knock to Lorelai walking to the door. She's just like talking the whole time. She's walking yeah. about whatever, just stalling all the way back to the kitchen. The camera follows her. Yeah. It just Luke's like immediate turnabout phase is so funny. <laughs> just walks away. <laughs> My parents are here. She lies and said it was Ed McMahon when Emily asked who it was. I'm surprised she doesn't like press further who was actually there. Yeah. I mean, it could have been anybody. So, I mean, it could have been like a male. It could have been a neighbor. But yeah, it is. She just lets it go. Emily says it seems like Luke and Lorelai are going to be staying, and then surprisingly says, this house does have a certain charm. It feels very homey. I can see you and Luke here. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Maybe that's what Emily does. She's like, I'm going to do the most basic compliment, but I'm going to have so much mean shit before it that's going to shine. It's going to seem like I said something super nice. Yeah, maybe. That's a good plan. Yeah. And Lorelai's like, oh, thanks, Mom. Emily and Richard have to leave. Lorelai knows the exact amount of time. She's like, oh, you can only stay for like three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that seems like too long. Yeah. Well, I mean, they ate a whole meal and, you know, who knows how long they were around the house. Yeah. Because Lorelai knows exactly. Because they eat, leave like mid-meal too. They're still eating. Yeah. So Rory and Lorelai are decompressing after this. 
and Rory asks Lorelai about April's mom. She's like, let's go to her store and spy on Anna to see what she's like. Aren't you curious? Lorelai tries to be the bigger woman and says, like, Luke wants her to stay out of this whole April thing at the moment, so she's going to, at least for now. She does not want to get involved. So the girls go to go see two movies or, like, two halves of a movie. They're going to see the last half of Nanny McPhee and the first half of Final Destination 3. So I guess they're going to leave the theater to go to another one? Yeah, we've done that. I mean, we tend to try to watch the whole movie. Both yeah, that's times. true. I wonder how they wrote this. Like, those movies must have been out I assume. when this aired, but, like... Like, how far in advance did they write it? Because they seem to have, like, pretty good knowledge of Final Destination 3. Right. I mean, that could have been written day of. Yeah, but the day of is still probably, like, months before it airs. Right. And maybe the trailer was enough information to go off of for Final Destination 3. Yeah. They don't talk about McPhee, but they do talk a lot about Final Destination 3. The next day, they're just, like, walking through the town complaining about the plot of Final Destination 3. This is where we see Zach in the background in a gazebo, like, trying to write this hit song. The two separate. Lorelai goes to work, and naughty Rory sneaks off to Anna's shop to snoop because snooping runs in her blood. <laughs> when does Lorelai snoop? Oh, Emily, you mean? Yeah, and Richard. Anna greets Rory at her store and mentions that everything in the store is one of a kind. That's like her whole thing. There's a lot of fun character stuff for Anna in this scene. Like a woman comes out of the dressing room with a top on, and Anna's just like, no, 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 trust me, no. And the woman keeps, like, trying to grab other tops. She's like, no, not that one. No, not that not that one either. And, like, gives her a top to put on. She's like, I'm your best friend now. Put this on. It is kind of rude without giving any explanation. Yeah, I agree. But she says, like, I'm your best friend right now. Sort of being like, and gives her another option. I don't think she's like, you've got a gross body or anything. Yeah, that's true. She's trying to help her find something good. Yeah. And then Rory sort of just, like, looks around and we cut to a different scene. At the inn, Lorelai finds Kirk running his new real estate business from the inn's common area. He's a trainee realtor. He says he promises to get out of her hair as soon as he's made his bones, which means to achieve status or respect in a job. I had to look that up because of what he says later. (laughs) (laughs) He tells her he just needs a temporary place to conduct his business and to potentially have sex with prospective clients, which might also be the bones he's making. I don't know. Specifically with lonely widows and aging divorcees. Which we've set up before. Yes. He's he gets been befriending old women to get rings. This is all very funny, especially because you're like, he's saying that he's trying to hook up and have sex with these old women. And I'm like, what about Lulu? But then he says that he's planning on running this all by Lulu, of course. <laughs> he's not a bad guy. Yeah. As long as you get permission, it's fine. Or you think you're broken up. It's fine. <laughs> She's like, you got to go. He reluctantly gathers his things to leave. But he says he was hoping she'd have given him a little bit more cooperation, considering he's helping her parents find a place to live in Stars Hollow. Which is news to Lorelai. She presses him for information. He's like, no, I can't. I can't say anything except everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, keeps insisting he can't divulge any information, but he just like While divulging, yeah. When Rory comes back to the end, Lorelai shares the bad news that her parents are probably moving closer because they think her and Luke are going to have a baby, and they want to be close for that. Rory tries to cheer her up with a present, a bag from Anna's shop. But Lorelai is pissed that Rory went there and doesn't want to know anything about Anna. Rory's like, don't you want to know if she's pretty? You don't want to know anything? It's insane. You should know who this person is. And Lorelai's like, no, I don't want to know. She's like actually mad at her daughter for doing all this. Part of me, I was thinking about this though. Part of me thinks that Rory is so interested in this because the idea of a boyfriend cheating on someone is very much on her mind since Logan cheated on her. So she wants to know if Anna's a threat. Yeah, it could be. I legit think that's what's going on. She's now, like, the idea of cheating is, like, on her mind and that that's a possibility that can happen. 
And she's obviously very invested in her mother's relationship with Luke, so much so that she, like, almost ruined the relationship with her father last season to get him to stay out of it. So she's probably like, cheating's the thing that can happen to anybody. I got to make sure Anna's not going to do that with Luke. It's also maybe a little weird that Lorelai doesn't want to know anything. I mean, I guess she's just trying to respect Luke. And it would be a little risky, I would say, for Lorelai to go there. Because they're probably going to meet eventually. And then maybe so she'll remember Lorelai and think it was weird. Rory's eventually going to meet Anna, right? Like, Right, right. I mean, with Rory, it's a little bit more whatever, because you could be like, oh, yeah, I did stumble across your place yeah, one time. Yeah, I think Rory could argue she stumbled in there. Like, I had no idea. I bought a cool bag. That night, the two have made up. They're not pissed anymore. They're walking into Luke's diner, complaining about Final Destination 3 again. I feel like the suggestion is is they went to go see it again. Yeah, I think they definitely did. Because they don't say that, but then Rory's like says something of like, how many times are we supposed to see it? A, pa- a lot, apparently. Something like that. Yeah, I think she basically says they saw it again. Then Rory gets another phone call that she doesn't answer. Seems a little weird. They like sit on this one for a little bit. And then she notices a bag on the counter. One that Caesar says someone just delivered for Luke. But Rory says she's seen that bag before at Anna's. And as we know, Anna only stocks one-of-a-kind things. So it's not like, oh, he might have got that at Walmart. So that's not related to Anna. The thing is, it must have come from Anna. Lorelai goes upstairs to talk to Luke and asks him about the bag. And Luke's like, oh, yeah, I mentioned to Anna that my bag is falling apart. So she sent me a new one. But then he's all like, if that's weird for you, I can just send it back to Anna. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And Lorelai's like, no, 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 it's all cool. No big deal. You won't let me get you a bag, but your uh, ex-girlfriend, baby mama, she can send you whatever. It must be closer to her. None of that is said. But I imagine that's what's going on behind her eyes. Which is a little silly because I feel like, yeah, if Lorelai just like sent Luke a bag, he probably wouldn't make her return it. Right. To be fair, Lorelai doesn't act that way, what I just said. Yeah, I think she is hurt by it, but she's like hiding it very well. Yeah. She goes back downstairs and she explains everything to Rory and says that it's fine. They talked about it and everything's fine. This is where the title is coming from. Because then Rory goes home and Logan is like, where the hell have you been? I woke up and you were just like gone a few days ago. I've been calling you and you haven't been answering your phone. The only reason I know you're alive is because I called the paper and they were like, yeah, she's emailing us stuff. And she's all like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just really wanted to go to Stars Hollow and my phone died. Not true. Yeah, not true. Like, it won't happen again. I didn't mean to upset you. By the way, I'm going to go take a shower right now. And Logan stops her and is like, hey, is is everything okay? And Rory's like, yeah, it's fine. So it's not fine. It's like that little meme of like a a dog in a burning building. And he says, everything's fine. Uh, that's, That's this whole episode. Yeah. I feel like what Rory did, there's no way to interpret it. Where she's fine, from Logan's point of view. She just woke up one day and GTFO'd and didn't tell Logan where she was going and then ghosted him for several days. There's just, there's no way you would do that in a healthy relationship. Yeah, I mean, she could have just said, I need to go to Stars Hollow for two days. My mom needs help at the inn. Like She yeah. could have just lied about where she was going and told the truth, you know, just like rather than leave him wondering where she was. Yeah, and it wasn't like she left for like an afternoon or something, you know, like a small amount of time that you could think to yourself like, oh, Logan doesn't know where I am, but I'm going to see him in two hours and I can tell him, you know. It's you were gone for days right after you had just moved out and you had email, like your phone is quote unquote dead, but like you have email, you can send him an email like, oh, hey, I'm in Stars Hollow for a couple of days. I got some stuff I got to do. Love you. Bye. So I don't, I hope that Logan's like, picking up on this and realizes things are not okay. I mean, I think the since he asked her, I mean, he obviously does pick up on it. Yeah, I think he knows. I wonder when they were apart, if either of them tried to call each other. Like, were they ghosting each other? Or was it just like, I don't feel like talking to them because we fought. 
Yeah, I don't know. Because if Logan was like ghosting her, then that makes the whole thing a lot shittier. But I, I just got the impression they kind of just didn't feel like talking. Well, when they broke up, she says that we're not talking right now. Right. So, I mean, that would indicate that neither is calling either. Yeah. All right, Stacey. Hmm. Do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Not really. It wasn't bad. It's just nothing of note really happens other than Lane and Zach officially being engaged, I guess. Yeah. In the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Mrs. Kim. And like, that was cute, but I, I kind of pointed out I had slight issue with how good she is at modern music. I don't know. I liked the opening scene. I hear what you're saying about the flip, just kind of erasing the end of the last episode, but like. Even though we do say she's not actually fine, it just seemed in the moment like, oh, we're just done with that. But I liked the acting in that scene and like the way it was kind of choreographed. But I don't know. The Anna storyline wasn't particularly interesting in this episode. It's just all sort of this, do we trust her? We don't know. I I don't know. It wasn't that thrilling. And the Emily and Richard stuff was just kind of annoying. Like they were just kind of mean for no reason. And they sort of set up this real estate thing, but we don't really learn that much about that in this episode. Yeah. There was some fun stuff. It just wasn't like memorable or remarkable overall. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was fine. I feel like her parents are up to something. Yeah. I guess moving into Stars Hollow is what it is. But like examining her house was weird. Even for them, it seemed more Snoopy than normal. Yeah. So I don't know if they are going to try to get her to live with them or something. I don't know. It's or I guess not, because she says you look happy here. Maybe they were just ensuring that she would be happy. I don't know. It seemed weird. I don't know what they'd be up to, though. I think I remember where this goes, but we'll see. The snooping seemed like it had a purpose. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't dislike it. I don't think it was like a bad episode. It had some no. funny stuff. I think just overall it wasn't that special. No, Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was just like a fine episode. It was funny, but Gilmore Girls has been much funnier. It had some, a little bit of drama, but not really. No, nothing that was like really amazing drama. Right. I would say it was a fine episode. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, Uncharmed Season 6, Episode 17, Hide School Reunion. Phoebe accidentally casts a spell that reverts all their former high school classmates to their teenage personalities. Okay, first off, like, how many times are they accidentally casting spells? All the time. I just feel like maybe you guys should spell less. They've all got, like, day jobs and shit. They're doing a lot. Yeah, I, I heard a couple of them work at Double Meat Palace. Really? No. So it's Hyde School, H-Y-D-E, not H-I-D-E. Is that, like, the name of the school? I don't understand. Usually these are, like, puns or something. I don't Is it, like, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing? Uh, could be. So this is a fun episode where we have adults acting like kids, sort of a band candy kind of thing. It's basically band candy. There's like a a tall, balding, overweight, middle-aged man who definitely thinks he's like the star beautiful jock still. Because he was. Yeah, he used to be. He peaked in high school and he's, he's just acting super condescending while like having mustard stains on his shirt. Piper used to date him and so he thinks they're dating again, which Leo is not into. No. And this guy's like, who's this fucking dog? And he just keeps barking at him. Woof, 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 woof. Well, I'm a dog. <laughs> He's not clever. There's also like a, a high-ranking judge as a woman who's on the Supreme Court in this universe. Mm-hmm. She's very young on the Supreme Court. Yeah, and she is just like slamming brewskis. And it's funny because she's like very proper for the first half of the episode. And then she's just like doing all kinds of beer and like cake stands and stuff. Wow, what happened to her in college? 
her parents died, okay? And then she oh, really wow. straightened out. So I don't know why you have to bring that up. It's really sad, okay? But it did kind of straighten her life out. Uh-huh. But she's also constantly talking about her parents. It's like, oh, your parents are dead. There's also this one girl that's super annoying as an adult. Just coming up to them, like, trying to be their friend. They're like, oh, my God, Jessica, just, like, don't. But then we realize in high school she was the same. She didn't change at all. She didn't change at all. And then after the spell happens, like, we see her eyes glaze over and they come back and she just finishes the sentence she was already saying. <laughs> my question is, it says that reverts all of their former high school classmates? Yeah. Were they all in the same class? Is this all of the sisters? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, the, that's a weird pronoun choice. Like, is it just Phoebe's classmates? I don't know. Are the girls the same age? They may have gone to school at the same time. Yeah, maybe it's just a high school reunion for, like, anyone that went to high school in the mid-90s. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end, they, you know, they revert the spell. Well, actually, Phoebe tries to do a different spell, but accidentally ends this spell. Yeah, Phoebe was just trying to, um, like, Alohomora the lock on an old classroom. I don't know what that means. It's the unlocking spell in Harry Potter. Ah. But she accidentally just fixes the whole thing. Yeah, because that's Phoebe for you. So it's like a fun little romp of like these people acting like kids. And um, yeah, it's fun. It was a good one. It was one of my favorite. Okay, well, this has been Meanwhile on Charmed. Well, now it's time to talk about Buffy. We have a lot of thoughts on this episode. It's a very controversial one. Stacy, please tell us all about Normal again. This episode is about Buffy thinking she's in a mental institution. And maybe she is? Hmm? We'll see. It starts with Buffy, much like Richard and Emily, out investigating real estate. She's got a list of newly rented houses, and she's thinking the trio has maybe found a new place. We find out they've rented a whole house, but they're laying low in just the basement of it. Coupled with the fact that they've just murdered someone, this is all driving Jonathan a little crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. They notice Buffy on their security cameras, so Andrew conjures demon by blowing into this big wooden instrument. Can anyone use this? Is he the only one that knows the song? Like, yeah, I don't what know. makes him special as far as this demon pipe? I mean, he knows about the lore and stuff. I mean, I guess that's maybe, you wouldn't even know what this pipe did otherwise. Yeah. Buffy fights the demon, but he ends up skewering her in the arm with like two retractable Vega claws. Vega from Street Fighter? Yeah. Okay, I was like, Vega? Deep cut <laughs> is what Vega says when he that's, cut. That's funny. But did you say retractable? Yeah, I think they pop out like cat claws. Vegas are not retractable. Okay, no. But this- Wolverines the, are. My adjective order was correct. <laughs> yeah, they're like Wolverine claws. Vegas is just like a glove, isn't it? I'm proud of you for that Vega reference. Thank you. I'm like falling more in love with you. This is weird. <laughs> Stop. We don't have time Wait, to fond right now. Wait, this is the one we're right supposed now. to fight, right? This is the one we're- <laughs> I want to fond right now. But this arm skewering transitions to her being in an institution with two guys trying to inject her with something. What is happening? After the credits, Buffy comes to with a sore arm in the alleyway where she was fighting the demon, but the demon isn't there. We also see in the credits scroll at the top that Joyce is going to be in this episode. What? She's dead, yo. Yeah, that's weird, right? Why is she there? What's going on? I don't know. At school, Willow is practicing how to ask Tara out for coffee and kisses and gay love. Her words. But then she sees Tara kind of kissy and flirty with another girl. It doesn't necessarily have to be interpreted romantically, but that's how Willow takes it. Like, it could just be like a friendly kiss on the near mouth. Right. But I see why Willow's worried. Is this woman European? That would clear some stuff up. 
You got to get close and listen to what they are. (laughs) If I've learned from my light Backstreet Boys talking. (laughs) Later at the Summy Res, Willow is online checking to see if Xander emailed using a whole cord and portable modem system. Yeah. What a wild thing we used to have to do to check an email. Also, just not the most efficient way to contact someone. (laughs) Yeah. Buffy comes down. Willow tells her about the terrasage. Buffy's trying to talk her through that when Xander shows up at the door. They all hug. It's nice. Just the three of them again. He's there looking for Anya because she's taken some of her stuff from their apartment. The magic box is closed. And he admits he screwed up, but he's decided he still wants to date her. Even though he left her at the altar, she'll probably forgive him for that, right? It's so weird to be like, but we still want to date. That doesn't make any sense, Xander. You're either, is marriage the problem? The label? Like, I don't understand. Right. Cause You'll like, become your dad either way. For one, he should have told her that when he left her at the altar then. Like, do you want to still be together? Yeah. Which she maybe would have said no. I don't know. I, I don't know. It depends what the goal. Are they going to try again to get engaged someday? He's just not ready now. Unless he only wants to date her and never wants to get married. But how is that really different? Right. It's not like the label of marriage is what turns you into an abusive, bad dad. They're living together. Or were. Yeah. I don't know. Spike's on his way home from the grocery store when he stumbles across Buffy in the graveyard. She fills him in on the wedding drama. Willow and Xander come along. I guess they were meeting Buffy at the graveyard. That's not that weird for this show. Right. Xander is a normal amount of mean to Spike, and Spike starts giving Xander shit for leaving Anya, which is totally fair, but he's particularly aggressive about it for some reason, and they get into a fight. Fun fact about Buffy is she's been kind of in and out of these asylum hallucinations. Dreams? Memories? Not defined yet. She had one while working at the DMP, and she's having one now. In it, her doctor asks if she knows where she is, and when she says Sunnydale, he tells her that none of that is real. That she's in a mental institution and has been for six years. What? The length of the show? <sighs> and look, your parents are here. Both of them, who are still madly in love. And it's, it's true. Joyce and that other guy are, are there for Buffy. <laughs> that other guy. What is his name? Who cares? If we're to believe that this mental institution timeline is real, it seems like maybe Buffy isn't always this lucid. Yeah. So the doctor is hoping they can use this opportunity for him and her parents to help snap her out of this delusion she's been having about Sunnydale. Hank is his name. Yeah, I knew what it was. No. I didn't know if they would know, so I didn't want to use it. I had to look it up. Buffy comes to in the graveyard. Spike is really concerned about her, but Willow and Xander are like, shut up, Spike, we'll handle it. We're taking her home. He shouts after them to be sure to put a little ice on the back of her neck and then quietly says to himself, she likes that. He loves her so much. He does. Willow and Xander get her home. She tells them and Dawn that she's been having these flashes ever since the demon poked her and how real they seem. They're like, great, let's do some research on this demon and put an end to that. And then Buffy has another flash. The doctor is explaining to her parents that she's created this entire fictional world where she's the main character on a TV show on the WB. (laughs) They don't say that, but they basically say that. No, they don't say that. They just say that everything we've seen in Buffy is fake and a delusion that she's created. Right. But they specifically do say that she's like the main character in this world where she fights demons. Yeah. Buffy's like, no, Warren and Jonathan did this. But the doctor and her parents are like, no, no, no. Quiet now, Buffy. No, that's real. 
She calls out for Dawn, and then Joss takes over the doctor's body and explains that Dawn was a plot device that he created to give Buffy a more familial bond, but that was maybe a weird choice, and the season's big bads are usually cool, but this season <laughs> it's three nerds. That can't be real, right, Buffy? Right? Is this really the writing for season <laughs> six, Buffy? If you're a hero, why are you working at a fucking double meat house? <laughs> Again, I'm exaggerating, but that is what it sounded like. Okay, so I have a lot to say about this episode, but I kind of like this part because he says like the reason that she's coming out of her delusion is because she introduced the Dawn character, which like kind of doesn't jive with all the stuff she's already set up. So her brain is like having trouble keeping the delusion consistent. Yes. And making sense, which I actually thought was kind of a cool way of justifying why there's some difference right now. Difference? Why she's having this like mental break of maybe coming back to reality. Yeah. Because specifically because of the Dawn thing that was introduced. But it is also sort of a commentary on the show. Oh, like, absolutely. Dawn's absolutely. existence brings up all these questions. And the whole idea of that, like you're fighting like three nerds, like that's doesn't seem heroic anymore. <laughs> But I'm, I did just like that little plot device that sort of justified in this reality why she might be giving up her delusion. That's it. Yeah. Then we see the trio. They confirm the demon they conjured is really making Buffy trip out. So I feel like that kind of confirms what they did is causing something to happen to Buffy. I mean, if she's having a delusion, she would be having a delusion that they are saying these things. But would her delusion include them alone? Absolutely. I guess maybe. I mean, you're essentially saying, like, your delusion doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. It's a delusion. I feel like her delusion would just be, like, her perspective, though. She wouldn't just be, like, seeing the whole show. I mean, we see scenes she's not in. Sure. I don't know. That's, that's what makes this confusing. Whatever. Warren and Andrew have returned home with a ton of boxes. They've got plans to break into a vault. Andrew wants it to be Ocean's Eleven style. Jonathan is very skeptical of all this, and they're not really letting him in on the plan. He tries to leave, but Warren gaslights him into thinking that it's not safe out there. He shouldn't go out alone. This is all super manipulative. Yeah. I don't think Jonathan really believes him either. He just seems to be kind of afraid of Warren and doesn't really know what else to do. So he stays. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly something going on between Warren and Andrew that's not involving Doyle. Sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Did you actually say the wrong thing? I did. <laughs> because he's all like, what's going on? He's like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. We're not secretly doing something behind your back. Don't worry about it. And then he walks in on Warren and Andrew just doing some kind of Krav Maga on the other side of the door. <laughs> Buffy's looking through some old photos when Willow comes in and says she's figured out what kind of demon it was and that he carries his own antidote, so they just gotta find him. It's nice of him to carry his own antidote. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. Like, if you accidentally scrape your friend at a party, you're probably like, oh, shit, I don't want you to go insane. Here's some uh, antidote. Yeah. Buffy's like, I don't know. This feels kind of bad. Things felt bad even before the demon poked me. Well, it's like, hey, things have been rough for all of us, but you're not in an institution. You never have been. And Buffy's like, well, actually, I have. My parents sent me to one for a couple weeks when I first started seeing vampires. Does she mean seeing vampires or like dating them? Because <laughs> she does both. Yeah, she does see vampires both ways. <laughs> it's like, Buffy, you can't date vampires. What are you doing? Institution with you. Yeah, you need to go. To she should. She got to stop. Did vampires just start like coming to her once she became the Slayer age? I think she just was able to notice them more. Yeah, maybe. Like her slayer sense was kicking in. So they sent her to an institution, but she says they let her go once she stopped talking about vampires. And she says her parents eventually forgot. That seems unlikely. If I institutionalized my child, I feel like I'd always be worried that behavior would come back. Yeah, for sure. I guess they got caught up in their own divorce shit. 
I mean, Joyce, okay, so season five, Joyce is this beautiful mom we all love. But like season one through four, she's in like one episode of four. Season one through four, Joyce is very absent. She's just like gone a lot. That's true. She has checked out of Buffy's life. This also kind of doesn't make sense because it seems like when she tells Joyce about her being the Slayer, she's like finding out about all of this, you know? I'd have to go back and watch the episode where Joyce finds out, but it seemed like this was all shocking to her that vampires exist. Mm, I don't remember. But now Buffy's worried that maybe she's still in the institution and thinks this is all fake. Will's like, no, Buffy, everything's super real. We're going to get that antidote. Xander and Spike are out hunting the demon right now. Later, Dawn brings Buffy some tea. Buffy's not doing great. She's got like a fever. She's slipping in and out of these mental institution memories. She tells Dawn she should be taller than her. That's not true at all. It's not how time or bodies work. Yeah, like you can have a younger sister who ends up being taller than you. Yeah, like she's kind of out of it. But I'm like, what? No, you could be four foot ten, Buffy, and you're done. That doesn't affect how tall Dawn's going to be. Yeah. She also takes this time to give Dawn a lecture on how she's got to work harder at school and chores. Intercut with a quick flash of Joyce trying to get an institutionalized Buffy to admit that she doesn't have a sister. Yeah. She, of course, is saying all this aloud to Dawn, who, shocker, doesn't love this. She puts together that she doesn't even exist in this mental institution reality. And because of that, Buffy must just fucking love it there. Dawn's so sensitive. Dawn will always find a way to get upset about something someone said to her. Yeah. So Spike and Xander are out hunting the demon. Spike's like, okay, so this is all in Buffy's head. That must be why there's a chip in my head. She was trying to make me all soft and fall in love with her to make me her sex slave. Xander's just like, what? (laughs) That was kind of funny because Spike's just like processing all this. Yeah. Shouldn't have opened his mouth probably. But they run into the demon. They tranquilize him and they bring him back to hold him hostage in the basement so they can break off his little pokies so Willow can make an antidote using non-magical means. Willow brings Buffy a nice hot cup of antidote. (laughs) it is hot they say she's got to wait for it to cool Buffy's very grateful to her for her friendship Spike also pays a little bedside visit Buffy tells him to leave her alone he's not part of her life and he shocker doesn't love this Spike tells her she's not drawn to the darkness like he kept telling her she's just addicted to misery that's why she won't tell her friends about their relationship because if she did she might actually have to be happy he tells her to stop being a martyr and a hero and just let herself live And then he threatens to tell her friends about them if she doesn't. When he leaves, she has a little revelation and decides to pour out the antidote. It looked gross. I think she made the right call. (laughs) It looked like way too thick of coffee. I like antidote in the morning. (laughs) And then we see her in the mental institution, telling her doctor and her parents that she wants to do what she has to do to get healthy again because she doesn't want to go back to her delusion. So she's choosing to forget Sunnydale. The doctor tells her she needs to break down the safe holds of her delusion because that's what's trapping her there, specifically her friends constantly reminding her that it's real. And they were the ones who pulled her back in when she was almost free last summer, meaning when she died and they brought her back. So she's got to kill her friends. Shouldn't be too hard. She's got super strength in her delusion. Willow's being super sweet this episode, trying to help Buffy however she can, taking care of her. But now Buffy's convinced that Willow is just part of her sickness trying to keep her there. So she kind of lies to her, implying that she took the antidote and is waiting for it to kick in. Kind of like Rory lying to Logan. Yeah, he gave her an antidote (laughs) and she refused to take it. We cut to a little while later when Xander comes back and she lies and tells him she's all better now. It is kind of interesting because the episode titles are similar. I'm okay, you're okay. 
Mm-hmm. And this one's called normal again. I, right. I don't know. Both have that element of being like, yeah, fine. Everything's cool. When it's not. Xander's like, great. Let's go kill that demon downstairs. And can Spike not be part of it? He was saying some weird shit earlier. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I get what it's like to be obsessed with you. He does say something like that. And Buffy does what she should have done every other time Xander's hit on her and smacked him in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> she knocks him out. She pushes his body downstairs where he discovers Willow is already gagged and tied up. Dawn is next on Buffy's hit list, so she goes and stands in Dawn's open bedroom doorway, to which Dawn replies, don't you knock? On what, Dawn? You left your door open. Yeah, I know. (laughs) She's packing to go over to Janice's house, where they actually like having her around, so she thinks. Buffy's like, actually, I got plans to tie you up in the basement with my friends, so we're going to do that. (laughs) Dawn manages to get away from her and then hides in the bathroom. The geography of the upstairs gets really murky in this scene. Yeah. Because, okay, she's in Dawn's room, which I thought, okay, so you go up the stairs. I think when you turn right is like Joyce's room. And maybe Buffy's room is over there too. I'm not sure. But I always imagined Dawn's room is like at the other end of the hallway. But when they leave Dawn's room, it looks like they're coming out of Joyce's room. And then they go into the bath, or Dawn goes into the bathroom, which is like in the middle of the hallway. I think there must be two doors in the bathroom. I always assumed Joyce's bathroom was its own thing. But she, like, then leaves the bathroom and ends up in Joyce's room. So that must be all one big bathroom? Yeah, I don't know, man. The most confusing part is that when they leave Dawn's room, they're in Joyce's room. If someone's got a map, I'd love to see it. But I do think they maybe made some mistakes. None of this is real, honey. Show above his head. Of course it doesn't make sense. Also, that being one big bathroom was news to me. But maybe that's always been the case. Dawn's like, hey, girl, hey, trust me, you're real. All this is real. The institution life you're seeing is fake. Buffy's like, yeah, I don't know. The institution thing honestly makes a lot more sense than a girl chosen to save the world against vampires and then sleeps with vampires she hates. Whoops, Dawn probably didn't know about that. No. Obviously, it's not too hard for Buffy to get Dawn to the basement with the others. The doctors and her parents are telling her to take her time and make it as easy on herself as possible. So instead of killing them all herself, she decides to let the demon loose and watch what happens. Luckily, Tara barges in without knocking. Dawn would not approve. Buffy just kind of hides under the stairs, not really feeling good about what she's doing. And the mental institution version of her is also struggling with her choice. Joyce is there comforting her. I guess her dad went out for a smoke or something. He kind of just disappears at some point, just like in the Prime universe. (laughs) So maybe this is the real world. He is back at the end, but he's like not part of the scene. Or at least he's not like with Joyce while she's talking to Buffy. For some reason, Buffy didn't gag Xander or tie him up quite as much. He's just, like, tied to a pole, so he's free to kick the demon and eventually breaks out of his restraints. He's yelling for Buffy. She's not helping. Tara comes downstairs. She uses magic to remove their restraints. She does a little Home Alone falling paint shelf spell to disable the demon. (laughs) Buffy grabs Tara's legs through the stairs, causing her to tumble down. Buffy's switching back and forth between realities. Joyce tells Institution Buffy she can do this, so she keeps watching her friends struggle to beat this demon. And then her mom, like, really has a heart-to-heart with her. She's like, I know this world's hard sometimes, but you've got people that love you and believe in you. You just need to find your inner strength and believe in yourself again. And this is very nice because, like, this is what season six Buffy really needs to hear. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have her mom. She's very lost. So this is, like, I I think this was, like, a nice moment for season six Buffy, having her mom tell her things are good. Mm -hmm. She says, you're right. Thank you. Season six Buffy wants back in. She's getting rid of this institution life because now she's convinced that 
Joyce's plan backfired, essentially. She was telling her daughter, come through, you're crazy, this vampire stuff is wrong. But Buffy's now accepted her delusion as true. Well, she knows that these people, in her delusion anyway, love her. Right. So when Joyce says that, she's like, oh yeah, I have all these memories of these people loving me. Right. So Buffy says goodbye to Joyce, indicating she's committing to her Sunnydale delusion, and she's going to help her friends, who she's choosing to believe are the people who love her and believe in her. Way to go, Joyce. 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 It's unclear who we're rooting for here. (laughs) So Buffy kills the demon just by punching her hand straight into his tummy. That's a new one. Did she know that that would work? She did it to Adam. (laughs) Yeah. She pulled something out of him, though. A tummy punch is always a good, you know, try it. See what happens. Yeah. Her friends all get up, kind of like, what the fuck? She tells them she's sorry. They forgive her. And she tells them she's ready to take the antidote. Meanwhile... Institution Buffy still exists. Uh, She's all catatonic in the corner, and the doctor is telling Joyce and Hank, he's back, that they've lost her. So what is real? That's the episode. Um, Brian, I know the answer, but... I have feelings. Take it away. Did you like this? Was this a good episode? This is the best episode of Buffy. This is my least favorite episode of Buffy in the entire series. I'm trying not to be negative because I love Buffy as a show. And you guys all know I've said season six is hard for me. But this episode, single-handedly, is like the hardest part of season six for me. It's the hardest part of the show for me. So this ending, everything is fine. Some of it is even kind of cool. I kind of like the idea of Buffy crazily, like, rounding up her friends. And that's, like, kind of terrifying. Like, horror movie stuff. Like, she's insane and, like, she's so much stronger than her friends and they trust her, you know? Yeah. That's kind of cool. But, like... This ending, this ending puts into question every single part of the show. This ending where we see her in the institution suggests that Buffy really is in an institution and everything we're watching is just a delusion. Now, spoilers, we will never come back to this again. We will never get a glimpse that she's in an institution. We do reference this episode again. It does get referenced, but the show never again implies this is all delusion. But this is too much. It's disrespectful to the audience to say, hey, all this stuff you've invested in, all these characters, all these plots, none of that's real. It's all bullshit. It's like pulling the rug out from underneath everyone. This whole show about girl power? Nah. It's a crazy lady. Right. So I've read interviews with Joss Whedon and Marty Noxon about their thoughts on this. Joss essentially was like, I think that Buffy is all real, but I wanted to give the viewers the chance to decide for themselves, whatever. I think it by including that ending, you're telling us it's fake. Yeah. I mean, the only could... thing that makes it vague is the the trio scene, like I said. Yeah. Where they're like, well, we really messed up Buffy. She's going through it. I don't know. In dreams, you can see stuff where it's not you. But I don't think... I stand by what I said, that I don't think Buffy's, like, seeing other scenes in this illusion. I, I think if, if she's, like, perceiving this as her reality, yeah, she wouldn't be seeing these other scenes. She would just be seeing what she sees. So I, I think that makes it murky that they confirm that something is happening to Buffy. Sure. But that last scene doesn't really make sense in a different context. Right. You could argue that maybe that's, like, the last second of the, like, poison in her, like, giving her that last little closure. Yeah, because she hasn't taken the antidote yet. Or like she just took it, so it's like kind of like the last bit of her brain having this delusion delusion. That's true. Marty Noxon has said that she's for sure saying this did not happen, that Buffy is all real. And she also says like this sort of denigrates the whole show if you accept this as being the reality that Mm -hmm. she's insane. 
And I totally agree with her. Joss was like, oh, it's kind of funny. I want to leave it up to you guys, but I think that Buffy's real. And it's like, no, man, you're hurting everybody. It's a slap in the face to six seasons of the show. And what comes after. Absolutely. Buffy's just still catatonic in a corner somewhere. And also the doctor's like, we lost her. How do they know they can't get her back? Like, what if she creates another Dawn and they have another chance? It's just so, so upsetting to put into question everything that we've grown to love of the show. So I just, for that reason, I hate it. I, I hate this episode because of that. It's not even bad until, like, that. this is just so frustrating as a fan. I kind of think that it's cool throughout that you're not really sure. Yes, that's fine. I think it does a good job of playing with that. But at the same time, I'm the whole time I'm like, well, it's not just going to be that this has all been in her head. That's stupid. Right. So I do think by having the question at the end, it sort of makes it like, well, that actually was a possibility. Instead of, you know, us just assuming it's all going to get resolved by the end. And right. that makes it, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that. I do know what you're saying, but I think there's a way to do it. So the ending we have right now pretty much just leans into the, it's, she's an institution. Not like, oh, could it be either way? The ending we have closing on a scene that Buffy's not evolved in. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, I can't tell me, saying like, uh, she's insane now, suggests narratively that that is reality. And I think the show could have done a more ambiguous ending, kind of like in Inception when he spins the top, but we just never see what happens to it. So it's sort of like could go either way. Yeah, maybe it just like ends on the door of Joyce looking at Buffy in the corner without the doctor saying like, we lost her. Sure. Then it could be interpreted more like you were saying, like Buffy's just got this little bit of poison left in her and she's decided to disregard that reality. Or she struggles with it a little bit. Like Buffy's like, yeah, I'm sure I'm not an institution. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Then it's like, oh, it could just be Buffy struggling with her delusion, or there's a hint of maybe that's reality. But the show is like, nah, it's real. Yeah, I like what you said, because Buffy is sort of having that thought earlier in the episode. Like, what if I never left? What if this is all fake? So yeah, if she's still not sure, I think that's better. Because then you could interpret it that way, but you're not gonna. From the interviews I've read, like, I think Joss was like, this is like a fun way to poke fun at the show. He even says, like, what exactly was Adam's plan? Which is so funny that he just admits, like, yeah, Adam's plan doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> like, it just does not. God, when we're done with this project, I'm just going to be, like, constantly deep diving into all these interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff I yeah. can't Google now. <laughs> yeah, like, in his interview, he's all like, yeah, why is Dawn taller than Buff? Which is, like, because people are different heights, even in the same family. It doesn't, like, if they were both, like, little kids, sure, but they're not. Buffy's, Wait, like, an adult now. Joss questioned why Dawn's taller than Buffy? Yeah, and that's why it's brought up in the show. My little sister's a little taller than me. I know. It doesn't Joss doesn't understand a lot of things. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, the Adam's plan thing is just so funny. It's just like yeah, it didn't make any sense. The, I'm so mad about that taller than you thing. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. How did no one in the writer's room be like, well, because because that can be true, Joss? Yeah. <laughs> Birth order does not determine height, Joss. Why is Buffy's delusion making Dawn too tall? Like, what is that? Uh, it's just he's it's just so... pissed at Michelle Trachtenberg for growing after they cast her. <laughs> You're supposed to be the little sister. Got to write an episode about this. So now I've already said this, but like I do feel like this episode had some fun stuff in it. Not fun, like funny necessarily, but like oh, that's kind of interesting and some some good writing in it. It's just the ending is too much for me, and because of that, it, it like I legitimately hate this episode because of that. Maybe you guys loved it, and that's great. I'm glad you're finding enjoyment out of it, and I'm not going to tell you not to enjoy it. A lot of the episodes enjoyable, but that ending just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. I remember being pissed when I watched it the first time. 
especially since we never revisit it. Well, I'm glad we don't because I wanted to forget about it, but it's just like, what's this weird Tales from the Crypt ending for an episode? It's It'd be like if the entire series ended like that, which maybe yeah. I guess would be a little better. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> but it being in the middle is weird because you're like, well, okay, is season seven real? Is that all Buffy's delusion? I mean, I guess, I guess you can just choose to accept that it's all Buffy's delusion. It's still entertainment. But it is weird to just be like, and that was all fake. <laughs> what does that say about like the themes of the show, though? Especially like female empowerment. And then it's like, nah, it's actually a crazy woman. It's like the opposite. Or like, if an episode was bad, it's because Buffy wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Joss's fucking get out of jail free card. Yeah, but it's Buffy's delusion. That's why it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, uh, I've gone on enough about why I don't like this episode. There's things to like about it. I like the Spike's little, like, she likes ice in the back of her neck thing. Mm-hmm. Spike in this season obviously loves Buffy. I have some issues with Spike that I, I, I want to say a couple things about Spike real quick. I love Spike as a character. I think he is so funny. He's fun to have in the show. His love for Buffy is like primal and you love seeing it and you believe that he loves Buffy. More than any other character in love with another one, it's like overblown melodramatic love, really. But it's fun to watch. And it's played funnily too because sometimes he'll be like, I'm evil, I'm evil, but I love Buffy so much. Yes, and it's nice to see that juxtaposition of him being evil, but like, but also like I really want Buffy to be happy. Mm Mm-hmm. And the show at this point is, like, giving us mixed messages. It's like, no, you're supposed to empathize with Spike loving Buffy. But also, Spike's evil, and it's toxic. So it's hard as a viewer to be like, what do I want? What what do you want me to want, show? I feel like Joss didn't quite know what he wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just, like, hard to justify her dating a second vampire. So it's just, like, complicated. Especially one with no redeeming qualities other than he loves Buffy. Yeah. But I feel like the show is just wants us to want Spike and Buffy, at least in some capacity. And I know there's so many Spike fans out there that probably hate the fact that, like, I have trouble getting through the logic of Spike. But it's okay to like Spike. I just want to make that clear. If you ship Buffy and Spike, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a fantasy show. You can ship whatever you want. If you want to ship a weird goblin with, uh, like, a fairy godmother, whatever. That's you, It's a fantasy. Ship whoever you want. Did you ship it when you watched it? I did not ship it for this season. Yes, I feel like you do like Spike as a character. I feel like he makes the show. I, I shouldn't say he makes the show. I think Giles makes the show and he's gone now. Right. But I think he's one of the more enjoyable characters to watch. He's absolutely complex and he's very funny. Absolutely. And I would say season five Spike was a much more endearing character because he seemed to be like struggling with the fact that I'm evil, but I also love Buffy. Yeah. In season six, it's this murky, toxic thing that like, it's it's harder to to love him for some of this stuff. He's like kind of manipulative of her too in season six. Like yeah, to absolutely. Tell her what she should want, and maybe he's right. He he's lived a long time. He might just be like more observant of human desires than she is. But this, the way he does it is still kind of manipulative. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mix of that and want he wants stuff from her. So. Yeah, that's true. So it's tough. But if you ship them, that's awesome. And I can't talk about some stuff. I wish I could to you, audience, that seen all of Buffy. There's some stuff I want to talk about that I just can't yet to explain some of my complicated feelings about Spike. I just know some people are probably like, Brian, Brian really hates Spike. <laughs> I don't hate Spike. I just hate some of the details regarding Spike's relationship with Buffy and some of the logical inconsistencies in the writing in the show. It's just so hard for me to let that go, but that's who I am. All right, so we have to decide which episode was better. This might be controversial in this household, but I think I'm going to say Buffy. 
Ooh, are we fighting now? Or are we fonding? You crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy made me do it. <laughs> no, I, I just think we have to disregard the ending because I agree. That's stupid. Joss can argue that it's vague. It's not. It's not. The fact that it ends after it ends suggests that that's the end and that's the truth. Yeah. Again, made murky by that trio comment, but let's just pretend that the ending is more murky. Mm -hmm. The ending you rewrote is true. I think it's just better overall. Like what it set out to do is more creative and I don't know, Buffy having to like, it, it had cool stuff like her mom walking her through it. Yeah, I agree about that. And then Buffy realizing, no, my chosen family is my family and yeah. I've been kind of distant from my friends and I'm choosing them now. You're dead, mom. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that sounds bad, but like. No, it, I know what you mean. I don't know. That, that was just was like cool. a nice thing. And scenes with the doctor, like kind of poking fun at the writing were also cool. Yeah, it felt very self-aware breaking the fourth yeah. wall, but at the same time, it was funny. And like I already said, the parts of Buffy like corralling her friends to kill them in the basement, that's all pretty good, like thriller stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that was done pretty well because like. Buffy's really cool as your hero and friend, but, like, she's a terrifying adversary. And even though Xander's really shitty right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was kind of cool just to see those three friends reunited. Mm -hmm. Just the three of them. Yeah. No partners. And I just don't think Gilmore was that remarkable. I, I think as an episode, this was just, like, more ambitious and emotional. Yeah. So I think Buffy. What do you think? I, I have to go Gilmore. I agree that I think Buffy's generally is a stronger episode, but just ethically, morally, I, I cannot vote for Buffy. Okay. I'm taking a stand. I just can't. That ending is just such a slap in the face that I cannot vote for. I don't care if it was the best episode until that last two minutes. I'm going Gilmore because it was fine. I do think a slightly better Gilmore could have maybe beaten this Buffy. Cause sure. I didn't like love it. Like It was kind of a cool idea. But even disregarding the ending, I don't think it was like an amazing episode of Buffy. Totally. Just examining these two alone, I think Buffy was probably better TV. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, if you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 18, Entropy. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 18, The Real Paul Anka. Okay, hold on. Is Lorelai insane? Because that has been my pet theory. Are we going to have the same thing happen on Gilmore Girls? Yeah. We finally find out her delusion of Paul Anka's. Paul Anka's not real? I have to tell you, I watched the cold open for this episode, and it's fantastic. I'm very excited for you to see it. Ooh, I'm excited too. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. How did you feel when you saw this ending with Buffy in the institution? Were you upset? Did you feel betrayed? Did you think it was ambiguous? Did you think it was fake? Or do you think that she is in that reality? Would you go to Anasaur to take a little look-see? Do you think it's like weird, or would you be upset that Luke got that bag from Anna? Was that girl Tara was kissing European? <laughs> Do you think that Logan was being manipulated in that hallway or not? Let us know. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash brianandstacey. We're watching Angel. We do weekly video recaps of each episode. We host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls. We post monthly podcast outtakes and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscribers, Anne Rutkowski and Olivia Cantrell. Thank you. 
For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. All right. Do you want to go... Fond? Yeah, let's go fond. Let's go fond. By the way, uh, nothing's real. What? Nothing? Yeah, nothing's real. No. It's all Am fine. I real? Nah. I made you up. Are you real? I'm in a mental institution. Me too? We're in separate ones? Yeah. We're just like having a fantasy of our life together. That's kind of nice though. It's kind of nice, yeah. Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.